Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 25th of July, 2022. Happy Monday to your scorcher of a weekend here. Miserable, hot, yucky. Just not doing good in the heat, but I hope your weekend was fun. I mean, we had fun, but man, outside, it's just miserable outside. We're joined at the top of the show because they won't leave the room without saying hello by Quinn. Say hello. Hello. And Bailey. Hello. What do you girls, what did you guys like this weekend? Um, I really wanted to go in the pool today. We did go in the pool yesterday. We have a two foot deep, two and a half foot deep inflatable pool. We were in it yesterday. But I'm going it today. All right, and Bailey? I want to go on a big slide. Oh, you want to do the slip and slide. Well, promises have been made. Promises will be kept. All right, say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Bye. All right. We'll get on with the show, and we shall uh, then go fulfill. You girls got to go. Come on. Stand up. Stand up. Yeah, no wiping boogers on anybody's face. All right. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Don't forget uh, the uh, announcement for the winner of the signed book contest will happen at the end of the program. Good luck to everybody, even though it's already done by the time you heard this. And this week's contest which is between the one that wasn't picked and Kurt Schlichter will commence by the time you hear this at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter dot locals dot com. All right, let's start the show. We uh, we do have a lot to get to. I want to I start off Thursday night primetime. I I forced myself, you know, I'm not just a hero because I don't point out how big of a hero I am. I am also a hero because of what I do. You know, and it's very... I know I'm humble. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, Derek, you're so humble. And I am. I am probably the most humble person you'll ever meet, by far. Like, by a lot. Like, it's not even close. Nobody else can come even close uh, to how humble I am. And so, as such, I uh, spent my Thursday evening trying to watch the most important hearing ever. The January 6th Committee hearing's latest primetime special. It's like when Saturday Night Live used to occasionally do primetime shows. Now they now they just do them all the time, and they're just attempts to fill an hour on NBC, and uh, they're all packages. They're all just previous skits. But there was a time when it was special when they did something in primetime. And the January 6th Committee has is, is also jumped that shark. Like I said, I forced as a hero. Not all heroes wear capes, but I do have a cape. Um, I forced myself to watch it. I could not, try as I might, force myself to care. It just didn't happen. The entire thing is such a made-for-TV moment. Now, I'm a cynical person, I get it. I am uh, almost as cynical as I am humble. But you watch these things and you think, this is who, who buys, who's living for this moment? Chairman Benny Thompson has COVID, and so he wasn't there. But he recognizes that there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this hearing because every network was interrupting their, like the good dogs that they are, every network was interrupting their broadcasts to, to show this hearing. So... Benny Thompson not wanting to miss an opportunity to put his face and his stamp on something on national television had, uh, I don't know if it was recorded or he was live from a remote location in his basement, but he was there remote to deliver an opening statement that didn't need to be delivered. It didn't matter. It didn't set the bar, didn't change the direction. It was just a politician going, there's going to be a camera. People are going to be paying attention. I'll be damned if I'm not going to be a part of that. Now, it's the, the social event of the season, or the anti-social event of the season, whoever you want to look at it. So he had to be there. And then he turned it over to Liz Cheney. Now, I don't, I don't actually know if all the members of the committee were there last night or just three. Liz Cheney, Adam Kitzinger, and I, some Democrat from New Jersey, I think. I don't, I don't remember where she was from. It doesn't matter. She sucked at reading a teleprompter. 
When you are outdone at reading a script by Liz Cheney, you're not good. I'm going to give these people some advice, okay? And forgive me for a second as I offer these these leftists some advice. Because they're going to continue these hearings. It's all they've got. The alternative would be to run on what Democrats have done, Democrats' record. They can't do that. They need to run from it. If you're going to have these hearings in prime time to try and convince the American people how serious January the 6th was. I don't think you can do it, but if you're going to do it, memorize your script. Right? Get off book, as they say in theater. Get off book. When you're on book, what does that convey to the audience? That you don't really care. You're not taking this seriously. That you're also unfamiliar with the material. This isn't some Shakespearean play or some horrible community play. This is a congressional hearing that you are trying to impress upon the audience is perhaps the most important thing ever, maybe since the Civil War. Why this day was the biggest threat to democracy ever, more so than when 3,000 Americans were murdered on 9-11. It's so damned important. If it's that damned important, you should be able to be off book. Actually, that's not entirely true. If it is that damned important, you ought to be uh, not in need of a book. right? You, you should be able to speak off the cuff, should you not? If you're sitting there talking about how this man, Donald Trump, and this day in particular, the republic nearly fell, and you have lost sleep over it. And oh my goodness, what a horrible, horrible series of revelations. Should you really need notes for that? Do you really need notes for that? Is that the wait? Uh, yeah, I care so deeply that uh, somebody else wrote my words. I'm unfamiliar with these words, and I am going to read them like a robot might, as the teleprompter sort of skips a beat and stops. Now it's going back to normal. That's how the delivery was. Actually, it was less sincere than that. It's less sincere than that. And you sit there and you listen to this and you watch these people and you go, none of you, this is like so important and none of you can speak extemporaneously about what's going on. This this entire show, every day this show is extemporaneous. I'm not sitting there going, uh, I don't really know what I think next. Where do I go? No, I know the issue. There's the news story, there's the audio clip, there's whatever it is, and I know what I want to say about it. I haven't rehearsed it, I haven't really thought about it all that much, it's just something going on in the back of my head. Just like you, every time you have a conversation with a human being, you don't sit there and go, I'm going to have to digest what you just said, Bob. Uh, Give me a second. Uh, Okay, I would like to go to lunch with you. Now, the question of where. Okay. You posed that to me, and that's a serious question. I'm going to... Can you give me a couple of minutes? I need to think about... No, you know what you got to hanker in for. You know whether or not you want to go to lunch with Bob. You don't need, in your life, a whole lot of time to think about it. Now is it, do I take that new job? Do I do this? Those sorts of things, you, you might want to take a little bit of time to to think about. But if it is... I'm like, well, for, I keep going back to this example because it's something that everybody knows and everybody has an opinion on. Even if you weren't alive at the time, you've got an opinion on it because you can't escape it. The OJ trial. Everybody has a uh, a thought on whether or not OJ is guilty of killing his ex-wife and her friend. They don't. Whatever it is, they've got an opinion on it. It could be crazy. It could be right. Doesn't matter. You've got an opinion on it. You don't need to sit around and think about it and hem and haw. You have these thoughts. If these people are believing, these Democrats and Liz Cheney and Adam Kitzinger are believing that this is truly awful, that Donald Trump is perhaps history's greatest monster, they shouldn't need it prepared, the case prepared for them. They had two witnesses there last night. One was a deputy national security advisor. One uh, chick was, I don't know what she did. I think she was in the press shop. Um, All they did was ask them little snippets of questions. These people had already been interviewed multiple times. This was a made-for-TV event. 
And these people recounted things that they clearly, the committee members knew what they were going to give, what the script had already written. Now, I don't think the witnesses were scripted. But everything else, they would catch hell if the witnesses were scripted. I think even the media would go, wait a second, what's going on? They were the only ones who spoke like normal human beings do. But when they were speaking, they knew what the answers were going to be because there were multiple times when somebody, the so-called witness, gave their answer and then the person questioning said, well, let's uh, see what uh, so-and-so said on this topic. And they go to a clip, about a 15-second clip, of somebody else testifying behind closed doors speaking roughly or at least were led to believe on the same subject. See, that's the problem. All this stuff is out of context. We have no idea what the hell's going on. Somebody testifies for 10 hours and you show me a 15-second clip in a way that you set up, it could mean anything. It could mean anything. So you just go about it and you go, and I'm supposed to believe you? I don't believe you. You have been proven as a liar. But the fact that they had these clips at the ready is indicative of the fact that this whole thing was scripted. They don't have somebody behind. Here's how it works. I have clips of audio, right? When I want the clips of audio, I know I'm setting up for that clip of audio. I know what the clip of audio is. Anybody on TV, when you want, TV is a better analogy. When you watch a show on TV and they show a clip, when they go, all right, uh, Tucker's doing his monologue, and he says, well, no, watch Nancy Pelosi here uh, talk about how her husband isn't a scumbag drunk with a, a side piece and uh, he's embarrassing the family. Watch this. And then there's a clip of Nancy Pelosi doing that. The, uh, the whole thing has been planned out because there's only a certain amount of time in a television show. They are very, very strict on time in a television show. You don't have three hours. You have one. You really have like 44 minutes. You have to get to the point. You have to fit in all the advertisements because otherwise nobody's getting paid. And so you can't have the staff in the control room going, where's he going with this? Where's he going? And then they have a, like a bucket full of about 5,000 clips from that day and then in the past. And they go, I think he's going to call for Pelosi. Quick, let's, uh, let's get over to the to type up. Where's Pelosi? Have that thing ready. No. They know exactly what's coming. They know exactly what's coming. The people at that hearing knew exactly what was coming. The members asking the questions weren't pushing the play button on those videos. The producer that they hired from ABC News was. And then you look at things that they left out. They showed Donald Trump. Look, on the t- at the time... On uh, January the 6th, 2021, I was disgusted at what I saw. I said so on this show. I was unambiguous about how disgusting it was and how anybody who broke the law needs to be brought to justice. I didn't think they needed to spend a year in solitary confinement and uh, have essentially their citizenship stripped from them. The American people who have been in prison have been treated worse than illegal aliens who murder people in this country by Democrats, same group of people. That being said, my God, these people have so overplayed their hand that I can't even bring myself to summon the outrage that I felt in the aftermath. I wrote a column about it. You can go back and listen to the show that day. You can go back and read my column. After that, there was anger. There was disgust. It's gone because Democrats have overplayed their hand. Once you start saying that was worse than 9-11, I remember 9-11. It's not worse than 9-11. It wasn't even close to 9-11, when Benny Thompson opens the hearing talking about the police officers who were murdered that day, and then you go, wait a second, there wasn't a single police officer murdered that day. You begin to think that maybe these people aren't as interested in the truth as they declare themselves to be loudly. They try and blame police officers that committed suicide a month later. Oh, they did that. Really? Because it wasn't because, you know, family life. It wasn't because of depression. It wasn't because of financial. De- no, it was because somebody might have might have pushed them a month earlier. 
that they're unable to deal with. Look, police officers, yeah, the Capitol hadn't really seen anything like that. But having worked in the Capitol, the Capitol has seen an awful lot. It has seen an awful lot. Not that long ago, a couple of police officers were killed, were murdered, were shot as somebody was trying to kill, I think it was John Boehner when he was Speaker of the House. It wasn't that long ago. There have been really, really, really bad days up on Capitol Hill. So uh, if you want me to believe that a police officer is going to kill somebody because a month ago somebody said something mean to them, I'm not going to buy it. And I'm not going to buy what you're selling when you're out there reading Trump tweets. Now, the Trump tweets that they read were dumb. They shouldn't have been sent. But that's, as always, not the entire picture. There were Trump tweets that were not read. Thank God for Julie Kelly, Julie Kelly's existence. She has more knowledge on this than any of these committee members on this issue. She's actually done some serious investigating and reporting. She tweeted out last night because Adam Kitzinger said, oh, what about this Trump tweet? And it was like not, uh, it wasn't a go home or knock it off tweet. So these are terrible. And all the timestamps that they were doing and they glossed over everything. It's always about what they don't want you to know. This is why traditional liberal media and Democrats hate conservative media they used to have a monopoly on what you learned they used to have the monopoly wasn't you know how they told you although that helped it was what they didn't tell you it was the stuff on the cutting room floor and suddenly talk radio conservative websites fox news they began sifting through what was on the cutting room floor and telling the american public and that was very interesting to them so on January the 6th, 2021, at 2.38 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Donald Trump, at Real Donald Trump, tweeted the following, quote, Please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful! Exclamation point. That tweet was not read by the January 6th committee hearing on Thursday night. Then at 3.13 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Donald Trump tweeted this, quote, I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. They didn't read that one either. Why? Because that doesn't help their narrative. The problem with this hearing is there's nobody out there in this hearing pointing this stuff out because Republicans have been banned. You want to know why I don't take this seriously, why I can't? That's why. As you watch these people insist that you care, you must care about January 6th, remember that they're, that's, that's their tactic. That's their tools. That's how they, you must there's no attempt, much like you watch uh, MSNBC and, and really to a lesser extent Fox, but to you know the same effect. There's no attempt to try to convince anybody of something. It's, we all agree with this. Let us all nod in agreement with this. That's what matters. We are all on the same page. Everybody on the same, yes, we're all on the same page. Oh, the other side sucks, don't they? There's no attempt in particularly left circles and and definitely on college campuses. That's what makes the the leftists who are like, what is a woman? I don't know what a woman. You mean a person with a potential to give birth? You sit there and you go, there's there's no attempt to learn. There's no attempt to persuade. When uh, Senator Hawley pointed out how absurd it was that that law professor from UC Berkeley was calling women people with the potential to give birth or whatever it was she was calling them, he uh, he said, you know, is this how you treat your class? Is this how you, it is in your classroom? And it is. You know it is. You know that these people who act like that, this is how they are everywhere. There's no attempt, there was no attempt to try and demonstrate to Josh Hawley how what he was saying was wrong. She just declared what he was saying to be wrong. She didn't try to demonstrate how what 
he was saying was dangerous and violence against the trans community. Oh, it's violence against the trans community. She said as much. She didn't try to persuade him to knock it off. She just declared it to be. Does she really believe that crap? No, she doesn't. She just knows that she doesn't have an answer to his question of how, like, what the hell is a person with the potential to give birth? Do you mean women? The answer is yes, by the way. The answer is yes, that's what she meant, was women. But you can't say that because then you have committed a hate crime against trans people, and that's why she called Senator Hawley transphobic. What you're saying is transphobic and doing harm. You're otherizing people. Well, if you are a um, a fragile little baby who can't handle the fact that somebody might not agree with your lifestyle, then you aren't going to function. Life is not going to be good for you. Life is not going to be good for you. The best thing you could do is learn how to not give a damn. I don't know how you do it. If, you've, if you're so sensitive in you that you freak out the fact that somebody misgendered you or used the wrong pronoun or whatever when they weren't even talking to you, uh, if you can't handle that, I don't know how you learn to not give a damn. But honestly, uh, life isn't going to work out good for you. You're not going to have a good one. And honestly, you're not going to, I don't know what you deserve. Nobody deserves to be miserable, but you can earn it. You can earn it. You got all these people with these serious mental issues, and we're supposed to kowtow to them. And then you got a committee of them who hold primetime hearings every once in a while with this Trump derangement syndrome who simply cannot get over the former president's existence. They can't do it. Now, oh, by the way, there's been a major development in the speaking of people with mental disabilities there has been a major development in the field of psychology and particularly drugs when you see all of these mind-altering drugs that they're putting children on oh they're hyperactive adhd you mean they're just a kid with a lot of energy no no no. adhd and far too many people go you know what it's a status symbol my my child has a disability it's it's adhd it's adhd oh oh okay I'm sorry. Mine too. We all do. We're all in this together. It's definitely great. Yeah, your kid has a lot of energy. Every kid has a lot of energy. If your kid doesn't have a lot of energy, get your kid to the doctor. Well, now this story is out there. There's no clear evidence that depression is caused by low serotonin levels, research suggests. A new review which analyzed existing studies suggests the condition is not likely caused by a chemical imbalance and calls into question what antidepressants do. Now, for I, I've been guilty of it. You say something, somebody has a chemical imbalance or this is a chemical. Turns out, might not be the case. Researchers say their findings are important as studies show that as many as 85 to 90% of the public believes that depression is caused by low serotonin or a chemical imbalance. Most antidepressants are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, and were originally said to work by correcting abnormally low serotonin levels. There's no other accepted way by which antidepressants affect the symptoms of depression. Lead author Joanna Moncrief, a professor of psychiatry at UCL, is a consultant physician at Northeast London's National Health Services Foundation Trust. She said, quote, It's always difficult to prove a negative, but I think we can safely say that after a vast amount of research conducted over several decades, there is no convincing evidence that depression is caused by serotonin abnormalities, particularly by lower levels or reduced activity of serotonin. The popularity of the chemical imbalance theory of depression has coincided with a huge increase in the use of antidepressants. Prescriptions for antidepressants have risen dramatically since the 1990s, with one in six adults in England and 2% of teenagers now being prescribed an antidepressant in a given year. Now, if you look at the mass shootings, the school shootings, and you sit there and you go, how could this 20-year-old or how could this 18-year-old do How How could they do this? What 
What is it that causes them to just be able to shoot, murder people, children? They've never met. They do that. Don't know. Evil is a good choice. Evil is a good option. But the vast majority of them appear to have also been on these sorts of drugs. Is there a direct correlation? I don't know. But it certainly is worth looking into, is it not? It's very important to look into, to be honest with you. Because we don't know, if it's not a chemical imbalance, we don't understand what we thought we'd understood. Now, it's important to keep this in mind. This is a new revelation in the area of science, and it came about through questioning. Questioning exactly what the left does not allow you to do, whether it's climate change or trans issues. You're not allowed to question. They don't want you to question. In fact, it's a hate crime. How dare you even question? They question your questioning. How dare you? I want to play you this uh, clip from Libs of TikTok. This is a school teacher. This is a second grade teacher, meaning students are seven years old. You want to talk about somebody who grooming, somebody who is not interested in science, somebody who is out there saying you cannot question these things. This teacher is talking about allegedly a seven-year-old in her class comes up and says, oh, here are my, my secret pronouns are whatever. And then suddenly every kid in class said, oh, my pro- these are my pronouns too. These are my preferred pronouns. And they all switched their pronouns. All of them, an entire class switch their pronouns. This teacher talks about how she's finally able to record this video without crying because she was crying a lot trying to record this video. What she ultimately believes is that every single child in her second grade class is trans. That's asinine. That is absurd. It's statistically impossible. But it is an attempt at grooming, essentially. That's the only way this could possibly come about. And bandwagonism. Oh, you're going to be called uh, they, them? All right, I want to be called they, them, too. Uh, I want to be called uh, football armpit. All right, those are my pro. And they're sitting there. This woman, this teacher, who shouldn't be anywhere near kids, is believing that somehow she's liberated these children. But she lives in fear of the mean people who do not provide the safe spaces for these children. Now, who are the mean people who do not provide the safe spaces for these children in this clip you're about to hear? Parents. Parents. You want to talk about the ultimate grooming. This teacher is indoctrinating kids in school in the second grade into this trans crap. And she's living in fear. And if you don't think she conveyed that fear to these kids and told them, don't tell your parents what we talk about here, you're insane. You're insane. Listen to this unbalanced person. Okay, so it took a couple of days for me to make this TikTok um, without crying because that's what I do. Um, please ignore the dog bone crunching behind me. Anyhow, um, one of my students uh, felt safe enough to share his pronouns with me. And when he did so, once the class knew that I knew, they all switched pronouns. They're second graders. Like, I'm torn between being really, really happy to be a safe space and just absolutely furious that an entire group of second graders has to keep this secret from not safe people. Why are kids feeling unsafe? And furthermore, why does everyone talk about how, how are the kids going to understand? The kids understand it. It's easy for them. It's the adults who have all of the frigging issues and hangups and bullshit. Kids are fine. Yeah, the kids are fine. The kids understand. How far gone mentally do you have to be to believe that children have the answer? How far gone mentally do you have to be to find comfort 
And the fact that you have uh, indoctrinated children to this and thinking, finally, my belief systems have been validated by a bunch of seven-year-olds. And all of those adults with the life experience and the intelligence and the capacity to understand the implications of these things, they all think I'm garbage. But these children who I'm fairly certain if I'd worked on it, I could convince them that I've gotten their nose by sticking my finger through my... uh, my forefinger and my middle finger, sticking my thumb through there and saying, I've got their nose. This is the modern left. Don't question. You can't question. Well, the entirety of psychiatry, psychology, just blew up. It was simple. Oh, you're feeling bad. You're depressed. Well, you've got to come here for sessions all the time. And you've got to keep paying me. But I'm also going to prescribe you some antidepressants. And they'll rewire your brain. They'll fix the problem. If they fix the problem, then why do you have to keep going to the sessions? Well, we'll we'll try to discover what the problem is. Ah, okay. It's weird. Nothing they did actually ever fixed the problem, but it was accepted. It was accepted. Because people weren't questioning. People were afraid to question. If you questioned this, you were called a lunatic. You were called crazy. Now, I'm not above this. I'm going to play you a clip of Tom Cruise from 2020, or from 2002, I think it was. Whenever War of the Worlds came out. Remember when War of the Worlds came out? Tom Cruise appeared on... It was 2005. Okay, so he's promoting War of the Worlds. Almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago. He went on the Today Show. I don't remember how it came about, but uh, Matt Lauer, disgraced, pervert, over you know, liberal in good standing, pervert, monster. Um, at the time, everybody knew the Today Show. There's no way they didn't know. Tom Cruise started talking about how these drugs, they're, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. And it went viral at the time, 2005. I'm sure I mocked it. 2005, I was still at the Heritage Foundation. I was about to, at the end of 2005, I was going into the United States Senate to work for Conrad Burns. So sometime around there. I'm sure I mocked it, probably on Facebook. Almost everybody did. Tom Cruise is insane. Look at what Scientology does. Now, I'm not making an advertisement for Scientology. But that was the joke. Tom Cruise is insane. This is a montage from that interview. And now that we know, or now that this new study is out, think about, think about how this aged pretty damn well. Here we are today, where I talk out against drugs and psychiatric abuses of electric shocking people, mm-hmm. okay, against their will, of drugging children with them not knowing the effects of these drugs. Do you know what Adderall is? Do you know Ritalin? Do you know now that Ritalin is a street drug? Do you understand that? The difference is no, this was no, not Matt, against Matt, her Matt, will, though. Matt, but Matt, this wasn't Matt, against asking Brooks' a question. will. Matt, I'm asking you a question. I understand Do, there's no. abuse of all of these things. No, you see, here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. All it does is mask the problem, Matt. And if you understand the history of it, it masks the problem. That's what it does. That's all it does. You're not getting to the reason why. There is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. I'm saying that drugs aren't the answer, that these, these drugs are very dangerous. They're mind-altering, antipsychotic drugs. And there are ways of doing it without that so that we don't end up in a brave new world. Yes, there are abuses. And yes, maybe they've gone too far in certain areas. Maybe there are too many kids on Ritalin. Maybe electric shock... Too many is- kids on Ritalin. Matt. I'm just saying, but, but aren't there Matt. examples where it Matt. works? Matt, Matt, Matt. You, you don't even... You're glib. You don't even know what Ritalin is. If you start talking about chemical imbalance, you have to evaluate and read the research papers on how they came up with these theories, Matt. Okay? That's what I've done. And you go and you say, where's the, where's the medical test? Where's the blood test that says how much Ritalin you're supposed to get? You're, you're, it's very impressive to listen to you because clearly you've done the homework and, and you know the subject. And you should. And, 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 and you should do that also because and, just knowing people who are on Ritalin isn't enough. You should be a little bit more responsible in knowing I'm really... I'm not prescribing Ritalin, Tom, and I'm not well, asking anyone else to do well, it. Well, you are. You're saying... saying no, I know some people who seem to have been helped by I, But you're saying... But it's like, this is a very important issue. I, this I is couldn't a very, agree more. And you know what? And you're, you're here on the Today Show. Right. And 
to talk about it in a way of saying, well, isn't it okay and being reasonable about it when you don't know, and I do. I think that you should be a little bit more responsible in knowing what it is because you you communicate to people. Yeah, you should. I love that last part. You should probably know what the hell you're talking about if you're going to talk about something, Matt. Well, I uh, yeah, you want to talk about you know buttons under desks to lock doors so your victims can't escape your office. Matt Lauer is your guy. You want uh, psychological advice? Maybe that pervert ain't your guy. It shows how ignorant so many people in the media are. And quite frankly, maybe just how ahead of his time Tom Cruise was. Mm. All because we are allowed to question things. I'm going to go off on a, a, a brainstorm here, but if you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, we've got uh, a situation where we just don't know something. Maybe we can't, maybe we have to wait. Well, what if, why don't we just try things? Why don't we just spitball things? And you go on the green stuff and you say, well, we just, uh, we can go, go green. We can go with, uh, not windshield wipers, with <laughs> windmills. I just saw a bunch of windmills driving through Pennsylvania. We can go with windmills. We can go with solar. We can do, and you, you can't accept that it won't work because it has to work. You can turn a light bulb on with a solar panel. It, it has to work. Yeah, okay, you got 15 solar panels. You can turn a light bulb on. If you're willing to cover the entire country in solar panels, you might be able to produce enough electricity to, I don't know, make it through the night with a battery charge. It's a screwed up situation. We have to accept the fact sometimes we don't know. We just don't. And sometimes you can't know. That's one of the things about the trans issue that drives me nuts. You have no idea what it's like to be a woman if you're a man or what it's like to be a man if you're a woman. You have no idea what it's like to be a different man other than yourself if you're a man. None whatsoever. But you can't question it or you're a transphobe. You can't question it or you're a monster. You can't say maybe you should get, you know, talk to somebody. Because what? Because, well, that's conversion therapy now. You're trying to convert people away from being trans. You're trying to commit genocide against the trans community. No. Trying to help somebody. Well, you tell us nonstop that trans people commit suicide at a higher rate than anybody else. Well, maybe it's because they're suffering from serious depression. Maybe talking to somebody might help that. Maybe it might help them figure it out before they permanently alter their bodies, butcher themselves, and then live the rest of their lives with that regret. So I don't really think that's going to do a whole lot of good for their psyche. Call me crazy. I just don't think it will. Because it is, it is a disturbing story. And you talk about political violence. You talk about politics in general. When a candidate... And you can play this game all the time. It's a cheap game to play. But every once in a while, you've got to play this game. Because it's also true. And it helps illustrate the absurdity and the danger of the point. When a politician is attacked if that politician is a democrat it is a story if a politician who is attacked is a republican it doesn't really rate it's geez where do you go with this congressman lee zeldin is running for congress from washington dc and uh he's Fighting for, I don't think they had their primary yet. He's fighting for the Republican nomination. At an event, yes, on uh, Thursday, he was attacked by a guy with a knife. I'm just out of curiosity looking, and you know, it's not really on many of the news websites. At, uh, let's see, 10101, it's a radio station up in New York. Congressman, Lee, Congressman of New York gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin attacked at campaign rally. The story, a man rushed the stage and pulled out a sharp object before he was subdued at a gubernatorial campaign rally for Congressman Lee Zeldin on Thursday. Zeldin was giving a campaign speech at the VFW in whatever road in Fairport when a man got on stage, started yelling, wrestled the congressman and pulled out a sharp object, according to witnesses. Among those who helped subdue the attacker was Zeldin's running mate, former NYPD Deputy Inspector Allison Esposito said state GOP chairman Nick Langworth. The Metropolitan Republican Club tweeted a picture. You can see the picture. There he is. There's the guy and he's got some sort of 
weird it's not a knife in the traditional sense it's this thing it's like a two-fingered ring it's almost like brass knuckles but with two pretty distinct points on it the guy wasn't able to use it thank god it was obviously politically motivated the governor kathy hochel of New York, tweeted the following statement. My team has informed me about the incident at Lee Zeldin's campaign event tonight. Relieved to hear that Congressman Zeldin was not injured and that the suspect is in custody. I condemn this violent behavior in the strongest possible terms. It has no place in New York. She's relieved that they are in, that the attacker was in custody. Well, the attacker wasn't in custody for very long. The attacker was released on his own recognizance almost immediately because Democrats do not believe in holding anybody who isn't a Republican. There are people in prison in Washington, D.C. for more than a year, held in solitary confinement, deplorable conditions because they were at the Capitol on January 6th. Think of whatever you will of that event. It is nobody was killed by the protesters. And yet he, this attacker, the guy who went at him with a weapon, was it's different. If he'd actually needed to be bailed out, he's a white guy, so maybe Black Lives Matter would have done it. But remember when Black Lives Matter, Louisville, Kentucky, the mayor, mayoral candidate, Democrat mayoral candidate, a member of BLM and another guy who was running for political office came and tried to shoot. He shot up the office, shot up the office, held on $100,000 or $200,000 bail, and Black Lives Matter raised the money, got him out. Oh, he's a good guy. He just had a little bit of a, a little bit of an incident. No, there's no little bit of. You brought a gun to an office to try to kill somebody because they're Jewish, and uh, running for office that you were running for. That's kind of right. But you know, he was he got bailed out. At least they had bail. There's no bail in this case. This is a press release from the Office of the Sheriff's of Monroe County. At approximately, on July 21st, 2022, at approximately 8 p.m., Representative Lee Zeldin was on stage giving a campaign speech to the Veterans of Foreign War Post 8495 in the town of Perrington. A male from the crowd climbed on the stage and approached Zeldin. The male had a weapon in his hand, swung it toward Zeldin's neck, and told him, You're done. Members of the audience and Zeldin's campaign restrained the mail until deputies arrived and took him into custody. There were no injuries. The suspect is identified as David Jacobins, uh, J-A-K-U-B-O-N-I-S, Jacobinus, whoever, 43 years old of Fairport. He is charged with attempted assault in the second degree. Attempted assault in the second degree. He didn't say you're going to be injured. He said you're done. In my mind, that means that he intended and wished to make Lee Zeldin no longer be alive. But he's charged with attempted assault in the second degree. Now, attempted the, the assault did happen. He laid hands on Lee Zeldin. There's your assault. That he had a weapon should bring it up to attempted murder. But that ain't the way it works in New York anymore. Then the guy, David G. Jack, Jacobonis, Jacobonis, whatever, was arraigned in Parenton Town Court and released on his own recognizance. No bail whatsoever necessary. This is an official press release from the office of the sheriff of Monroe County. They let him go. They let him go. Pro- All right. You can go. You monster, you attempted murderer. Wait, before you go, look me in the eye. You're not going to try to kill him again, are you? You promise? All right. You're, wait, you're not going to try to kill anybody, are you? All right. All right. Now you're going to sit there. I don't know if this guy is mentally unbalanced or what have you, whatever his problem is. But if you, in my mind, if you try to kill somebody out of the blue, because you don't particularly care for their brand of politics, um, you don't really value human life all that much. And until we can put you away, 
it's probably best that you be held, or at least be held with bail. See, what does bail do? It's not just, oh, it's rich people and it's keeping poor people in, in jail. No, you can post bond. You can put up 10%. Say he's got uh, $100,000 bail. You can put up 10% of that and get a bond from a bail bondsman. 10% of it. $10,000. Now, $10,000 is nothing to sniff at. It's a lot of money. But it, what does it tell you about the accused? It tells you a lot about the accused. Actually, it tells you whether or not they have friends or family, people who are willing to, who believe in their innocence, who believe in them as people, that they're going to show up to court, that they're going to, they're not going to be a troublemaker, they're not going to get into more trouble, that they went through the trouble of scraping together the $10,000 to get the bond, to get that person out of there. If you can't find somebody, if you don't have people who are willing to, it could be a $10,000 bail and it's $1,000 you got to come up with. If you can't find people, if you don't have people in your life willing to do that for you, family, friends, whatever, then maybe you're not somebody we want out on the streets while you're awaiting trial. You've done something heinous. There has to be a price. You're accused of something heinous. I mean, he did it. It's right there. If nobody's willing to step up for you, it kind of tells us something about that person, does it not? It doesn't tell us about their guilt or innocence in that particular case. That's what the trial's for. But it tells you that, you know, like, hey, we're taking up a collection. Eddie uh, got into a fight with a cop. And uh, he need we need to raise five thousand dollars to get him out, Eddie. I'm I'm not giving you a dime, Eddie. No, he, first of all, he attacked a cop. Secondly, it's Eddie. I'm not surprised he attacked a cop. I'm not gonna put money towards that. That tells you something about Eddie, this mythical Eddie, doesn't it? That's the problem with no cash bail, just blanket let everybody go. Is uh, some people, frankly, need to be incarcerated. They're evil, they're, they're bad, whatever, however you want to put it. But this left doesn't allow for that. You know, and this Lee Zeldin thing, I'm looking, Face the Nation, CBS Face the Nation, their version of Meet the Press. They tweeted out their CBS News story. These accounts, you know, the CBS News is run by CBS News, the CBS News account. But the Face the Nation account is probably run by the producers of Face the Nation. These are the people who set the tone of Face the Nation. So it gives you a little bit of a peek into their psyche. Their tweet on the attempted assassination of Lee Zeldin. And I hate to laugh, but you got to laugh. Lee Zeldin, the Republican candidate for governor of New York, said Thursday that a man climbed on stage and attempted to stab him during a campaign event. <laughs> like, what? Now, this tweet was spent, sent Friday morning... At 11.32 a.m. Long, there's video of it happening. There is video of it happening. The guy, there's, it's on video. The guy was arrested. The guy was charged. Now, he was undercharged. But still, he was, it's on video. And he's sitting there going, well, Lee Zeldin says that somebody, you can't trust Lee Zeldin. But we'll tell you what Lee Zeldin says. You know that Lee Zeldin when he talks. It's like, well, today, Jackie, we interrupt this. Here's Walter Cronkite. Um, the First Lady, Jackie Kennedy, said today that somebody shot her husband, Jack, in uh, in Dallas today. We're not going to take her word for it. We'll wait and see what we can figure out. Well, there's film of it there. Uh, well, we, we shall see. What does it take for these people to be serious. Forget them taking things serious. They're not being serious. They seem to be incapable of being serious. You've got soaring gas prices and you've got the idiot energy secretary saying, this is a great opportunity. We just can't, uh, we can't transition fast enough to renewable energies. Never mind the fact that if we did, you just, if you had the ability, if you, were, uh, if you had all the infinity stones and you snapped your finger and poof, said, all right, we've gotten rid of fossil fuels. Thank God. Uh, breathe easier. The climate will stop changing and blah, 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 blah. Guess what you wouldn't have? You wouldn't have enough energy to run your life, 
to run your house. It'd be gone. Because wind and solar aren't ready for prime time yet. Will they one day be ready to take over? Maybe, I don't know. They seem to be progressing very slowly, if at all. And if they're progressing at all, it's by volume, not by efficiency. I remember as a kid, there were uh, there's a place in Detroit where they had some solar panels. Apparently, they were put up during the Carter administration because everything old is new again. The left always comes back to the well, and they've been pushing this crap since the 70s. But those solar panels didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. They weren't producing electricity, even though there are a lot fewer people in Detroit to produce electricity for. I think they were abandoned. They were gone. They were about as efficient, if you can use that word to describe solar panels, in the 1970s as they are now. You see them on the roofs of houses. You see them on the roofs of buildings. And maybe it does lower your bill a little bit. That's great. Does it make up for the 20 to 50 grand you put into putting it over time? Sure, over, you know, 20, 30 years, but you'll probably have to replace those solar panels in about 10 years, but that's beside the point. If you see the solar panels from the 1970s that are still around, usually in abandoned places in major cities where the Carter administration tried this experiment, you'll notice that they're the same size about as the ones on the rooftop so you go okay well maybe they've condensed it more and they're they're getting a lot more efficiency no they're not they're not because you know what when the sun goes down you're not generating any electricity through a solar panel you're just not when you're looking at the uh the wind not blowing that windmill doesn't do a damn bit of good Yet you've got all of these people running around saying, we are going to transition to these things. Okay, well, they don't always work. In fact, they don't really work. They produce a tiny percentage of the electricity in the United States that we have right now. All right, there are rolling blackouts in California because they can't keep up with demand. Not because they didn't have enough electricity generating power plants in California to begin with. They did. They didn't have these rolling black and brownouts until they decided to go green. It's weird. They took what worked off the grid and replaced it with what didn't work. And lo and behold, it didn't work. Can you believe that? I hope you were sitting down for that revelation. Lo and behold, it didn't work. Hey, let's take what works and we'll just scrap it. And boy, howdy, I'll be really popular at the next Sierra Club's annual dinner. We'll scrap that, and then we'll take what doesn't work, and we will uh, we'll have it not work on a larger scale. It'll be wonderful. I thought there would be no repercussions for it. Now Vladimir Putin controls the fate of Germany at a minimum, the Western Europe by and large, because of its control over Germany and its, and its uh, supply of gas. It's insane. We aren't being overtaken by our enemies. We're doing the bidding of our enemies. <laughs> That's the most messed up part of it. I told you, the enemies of the United States don't need to plot our demise. They simply need to wait. Just wait. Be patient. The progressive left is trying to do it from within. If a terrorist organization or a foreign government were to unleash an attack on the United States, that would actually be counterproductive to their goals of destroying the United States of America. Because why? Because just like after 9-11, we'd come together. You don't take on us. You, you know, nobody talks about my... I can say what I want about my mama, but you don't get to say what you, uh, anything about my mama. Who the hell do you think you are? That sort of mentality. Not all, but a lot of the Democrats would come and say, you know what, we're the United States of America. You don't kill Americans. You don't attack America. It would set back their goal. But weirdly, those very same people, without thinking, I think by and large, I think largely these people don't know what the, they're, they're Democrats because it's a reflex. They've always been Democrats. Their parents were Democrats. Their grandparents were Democrats. I grew up in a union household. We're Democrats. We're a Democrat household. I grew up in a union household, too. 
We're never Democrats. Never going to be Democrats. But they say, oh, that's just how it's always been. And it's a muscle reflex. And they hunt for that D and they push that button. And they hunt for that D and they push that button. When if they knew what the hell the priorities are, that if you had the time to sit down with a, a union worker, a IBEW, UAW, you name the union, you sit down and you say, all right, so you vote Democrat. Oh, yeah, they're for the working people. So what are your pronouns? Their eyes would cross. Going, what are you talking about? What, am, what do you mean, what are my pronouns? And then you explain to them and you show them what the modern Democratic Party is doing. This is not the Democratic Party of JFK. JFK would not be invited to speak at the Democrat convention. He was far too conservative for them. People open their eyes and they see, oh, you know how uh, costing $100 to fill up your car? Why do you, you think that's by accident? You think that's Putin's fault? Because here's exactly why it's Joe Biden's doing. And here's a whole bunch of clips of Democrats talking about how we need to raise the price of gas so people will use less gas in order to save the environment. And trying to shuttle you, herd you like cattle towards industries that their friends control, their donors control. They want to subsidize these industries and then force their use. Whereas if they were any good, if they actually worked... You wouldn't need either of those things. Private capital would be flowing towards that like a river downhill. And it's not. Tells you something, doesn't it? you got to get these people to think. And sadly, our education system doesn't train people to think anymore. I, honestly, I don't understand these environmental wackos. They just... I, I think most of them buy into... I don't think that they're a group of critical thinkers. Well, let's put it that way. I don't think that there's a whole lot of people out there sitting back questioning much of anything. They are very good grunts. And look, man, the, the hive needs worker bees. That's the way the left looks at everybody, and that's why they discourage thought. That's why they discourage learning. That's why they polluted the, uh, the education system in this country. But I, mean, I was a public, a public school kid, and somehow I still can't help but question everything. Can't help. It's, I, maybe it's just how some people were raised or how some people were born or whatever. But you would think that these people would go, for 40 years we've been told we've got 10 years. And it's too late, and uh, everything will be underwater. And even Al Gore's little documentary, Inconvenient Truth, had Florida underwater by 2020. And like this, it didn't happen. We didn't do what he said we had to do, and what he said would happen if we didn't do what he said we have to do uh, did not happen. Maybe you should question these things, but you're not allowed to. Critical thinking is not allowed. Instead, they just want to scare the hell out of dumb young people, and unfortunately, when you're young, you're dumb. You're very, very dumb. Got these idiots out here. Good God. Looking at College Fix, the College Fix. Professor, colon, unbearable that white people dominate discussion about climate anxiety. What? You know, you're a normal person. You're sitting there going, climate anxiety? What the hell are you talking about? There are people who are frozen. It's fear about the environment. There are people that did this bit years ago on the show two three years ago about these people who were uh, sterilizing themselves because they didn't want to have kids because they wanted to not have kids for the planet uh, it might be that they just wanted to not have to use birth control or whatever it, but they were saying they were doing it because of the planet for the environment why would you want to bring somebody into this planet and this planet is doomed it's doomed there's too many people on there's not too many people on the planet as somebody who just drove from maryland to michigan and back there are huge 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 swaths of land where there's nobody nobody living this story from <coughs> From the College Fix, there's a new concern in the relatively new field of so-called climate anxiety. Those interested in it are very white. Oh, no. It's horrible. Those damn white people, they just we just ruin everything. Wired reports this unbearable whiteness, quote-unquote, caused by growing discomfort in California's uh, State Polytechnic University, 
Humboldt Professor Sarah Ray, who's white, by the way, early in 2021, so much so that she was bothered by this that she wrote an op-ed about it. Quote, a year into the pandemic, after the murder of George Floyd and the protests that followed the attack on the U.S. Capitol, I am deeply concerned about the racial implications of climate anxiety. Wow, imagine to have so few problems in your life that you have time to waste it on this. Quote, if people of color are more concerned about climate change than white people, why is the interest in climate anxiety so white? Is climate anxiety a form of white fragility or even racial anxiety? Uh-oh, are the environmentalist, hippie, tree-hugging lunatics a bunch of racists, too? Would they burn a wooden cross, or would they have some sort of, I don't know, glow-in-the-dark thing? Ray says wealthy white people act uh, like they're experiencing an existential threat for the very first time and, quote, can take up all the oxygen in the room. Now, I lo- you got to love this. It's another example of simply how impossible it is to please a liberal. You put it, I guess that's the way to put it. They say, you got to care about this. You've got to care about this is the most important thing because all polling shows that it's like one or two percent. It's nobody's, nobody's number one issue. You can get them while they're young and dumb, but then they wake up over time. And by the time they're 30, they go, that was a bunch of crap. What was that? So they're going, no, we gotta, we've got to con these people. It's the most important thing. People are going to die. Life, it's an existential threat, which means it's a threat to our existence as a species, a threat to the existence of life on the planet. And people are scared to death. And guess what happens when you scare the hell out of people? They get scared. They get scared when you scare the hell out of them. And then they're going, yeah, but well, now it's just white people who are scared. So are you lamenting the fact that your con worked too well on gullible white people? Or are you lamenting the fact that your con isn't working well enough on black and brown people? Which is it? Instead, they just look at it because they're so unthinking. They're so dumb. They just go, well, it's oh, those racist white people. When you're trying to unite people around a cause... And the bigger pile of BS the causes, you know, the the harder it is to rally people around it. So you get some people rallying around it, and then you go, well, let's just call uh, most of the people that we got involved into this con that buy into this con. Let's call them racists. Why? Because that's their default on everything. So you run risk of alienating everybody and everything. <laughs> you uh, you end up getting other people that you're trying to sort of attract go well why the hell would i I, I, all these people you're trying to get me together they're a bunch of racists i don't want to get together with a bunch of racists hell no it's not that they don't think it's that they can't think if you really get down to it it's not that democrats don't think it's that they don't have the tools to hear to think to feel to understand what have you God, it's so sad. It's, I mean, they're doing it to themselves, so it's hard to really care. But uh, just as a member of the species, you kind of look and go, I, just, I, I, I don't want to be a member of that. It's like, I, I, you know what? Can we, can we break off? Can we break off and have the the people who have an IQ slightly higher, at least higher than their shoe size, and those people who don't, and we can pretend that we're different species? altogether homo sapiens and crow magnum man or whatever the hell it was back in the day they existed simultaneously but they were agreed now that they were different species if only we could do that again could we take a vote and maybe we don't have to separate and have a civil war as a country but as a species we could just say you know what there's there's thinking and non-thinking thinkosauruses and uh, democrats and we'll just separate that i'd like that to be the way to go so you look at these people and you go, I don't, I want out. <laughs> I want out. I don't want to be associated with that species anymore. Okay, that is all the time we have for today. Monday, get your week started. Thank you for listening and congratulations to, uh, that's my uh, finger tapping, to Diane Wheeler. 
congratulations, Diane. You have a message from me through Patreon about your book selection, your book selection, which is what everybody else listening really cares about. You wanted Mike Huckabee. You shall get Mike Huckabee. That means that Mark Levin is the returning champion, even though he lost. And it doesn't have anything to do with them. Mark Levin versus Kurt Schlichter this week. Mark Levin versus Kurt Schlichter. The Liberty Amendments versus We'll Be Back. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com to win an autograph from either one of those two fine, fine gentlemen in their big old books. That's right. It's up again. The post should be up live now. I know last week there wasn't one because I was in Michigan. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? We're back to normal, regular order now. So there you go. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast and Derek Hunter.locals.com. Quinn, you're lingering in the back of the room. Come here and say goodbye. And, you know, you look all mopey. Come here. You know You love talking. Go ahead. Say thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And have a great week. Have a great week. All right. There you go. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. We'll be back tomorrow.